In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the then. Yeah, I was looking at something, that's for sure. <laughs> well, well, well. Yes, that is absolutely amazing. Um, well, I, you've taken you've uh, taken the wind right out of my sails. Um, yeah, all true. <laughs> and I tell you what, Ron, very interesting thing that when I was in the Territorial Army, um, that's when I heard my first ghost. Heard? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and guess what? It was the ghost of a soldier. Well, kind of makes sense. Well, yeah, not necessarily, but yeah, I suppose you're right. Yeah, first thing that ever happened to me, 27 years of age, 1970, something or other, and I heard, um, I think you've t- I've probably told you the story before, that I actually heard uh, the ghost of a soldier in a, in a military hospital um, calling for a nurse. Oh, very, yes, very, very interesting story, story yeah. of that. But, um, Is that yeah, amazing, quite, huh? Oh, yeah, just a bit. So, uh, yeah, you got it right, my friend. You know, Richard, I have been had a hankering for most parts. You <laughs> really? <laughs> I have been corral, cruising and going, looking and reading, and you know, I missed that show. It was a lot, a lot of fun. I don't know how scientific it was, and I don't really care. You know, I even listened to this this uh, interview that the Ghost Hunters did with uh, Yvette. That turned oh boy. Of- Turned kind <laughs> that of was a good one. Yeah, yeah, it turned kind of nasty. But you know what's funny? In all fairness to a vet, I mean, to be honest with you, if I went up to those guys today and asked about if they faked evidence, I mean, I'm sure they'd get pissed off at me just as well as, as a vet did. So in all fairness to her, I mean, you know, those those weren't really the good questions to ask. But oh, I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, yeah. At the end of the day, you, you hit the nail on the head when you just said how much you enjoyed the show. Exactly. And, and that, that's, that's, that's what it's all about. Because it, it was um, rebranded, for want of a better word, um, uh, as an entertainment uh, program. And I think once that happened, that, that's it. That was fine. Because... because that's what it was. It was it was an entertainment show. It was very entertaining, and regardless regardless of what anyone says, that program single handedly has has been copied by many many TV shows around the world, and has created an awareness of the paranormal second to none. Uh, and nobody nobody on this planet can argue that one. I don't think. 
she said, we're not paranormal experts. We're, we're just there. We're having fun. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're bringing the paranormal to light to people, you know. And, and it was, it was kind of good. And, and to be honest with you, I, I do miss those shows, especially the early ones. But anyways, we do have a guest on the line. And, yes, indeed. Uh, yes, indeed. We have a Mr. Oh, my God, Dave Wood. Is well, Dave? that was easy for you. <laughs> Unless I botched it up again. Who knows me? <laughs> Are you there, Mr. Wood? I am here. In fact, I thought you were introducing me the first time round. I thought, I'm not in the territorial army, I must have the wrong guy, but uh, <laughs> you finally got round to me. That's brilliant. And you are a researcher, I correct? Uh, say that again, sorry, Ron. A, a researcher? Researcher. Uh, so Somebody did paranormal. <laughs> paranormal, yes. There's a bit of disturbance on the line. I didn't quite get what you were saying there, Ron, sorry. It's, it's my accent. I'm from uh, not where you are. Hey, Rice, Rice. But anyways, before we start uh, talking with you, um, and, and I, like I said, I get into this big, most haunted kick. And, and um, okay. Dave is your first name, right? Yes, it is. Okay, Dave. Did you ever watch the show? Um, I did watch it on one or two occasions. One or two occasions. Okay. <laughs> so... On honor of the show, we're actually we actually going to play the uh, most haunted trivia. It's only ten questions, so I, Dave, mm-hmm. I will throw them to you first because Richard was associated. With it. I mean, you don't mind doing this, do you, Dave? No, no, no. You, you carry on. Okay, so <laughs> it's ten questions. And let's mm-hmm. see how we do, Richard. If if Dave don't get them, you, you can jump right into. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, so the first question is. Uh, the, the show, okay, here we go. We've got to start it first. My bad. What was the name of a Vets and Carl's production company? Um, I think I know that one, uh, Antics. And you are 100% correct, my sir. sir. Aptly named. Okay. <laughs> Number two. What was the name of Derek's spirit guide? And I'll, I know that one as well. It's uh, it's quoted very often, Sam. Damn, you're doing good. <laughs> what if we got a prize for him? <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's a tough one. The pilot episode of Most Haunted was filmed at Charnock Hall. True or false? Okay. Oh, sorry, was that the question? Was filmed yep. at what? Was filmed at where, sorry? C-H-A-R-N-O-C-K. Am I saying that right, Richard? Yes, John Cole, yep. Is that right, true yes. or false? I'm sorry, Dave? Uh, 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 what was it filmed there? Um, I'm, I, I have no idea, I have to say. Oh, well, <laughs> well I, I have to say that I think that the, 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 the pilot was actually filmed at Mitchell and Priory. And you are right, Richard. Oh, <laughs> uh, now that was in the back of my mind. Why did I not uh, say that? Terrible. Probably okay. because we actually did it twice, Dave. We actually did the first one there. I, I wasn't on that. And then we did the 100th program there as well. Uh, <laughs> right. Yes, makes sense. Okay, Dave. Uh, when did Richard Felix join the most haunted team as the historian? Uh, Richard, I'm afraid I've got no idea. <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you a choice. You can, at the beginning of the series, at Skittered End, Derby Goal, or halfway through the series. I'll go for halfway through. Ooh. Richard? 
Well, I mean, I, I, the first show I did was, was, on, was, was on Series 1, which was, was Derby Jail. But I, right. I actually, I was just like anybody else on that one. They, they, they asked me to come and do it. I actually joined at the end of Series 1 and, and did Series 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, and 9. Gosh. There you go. Well done. That helped me. Okay. So what was Cat Howe's role on the show? Carl, um... Ka uh, Kath, was, Kath Howe. Oh, sorry, Kath. Oh, right. Um, Kath, did she do some sort of hair hairdressing or something? You are so close. <laughs> she was a hairdresser, and she yeah, was the makeup hair dresser. All right, we'll give it you a hairdresser and uh, makeup artist. Half a, half a point. Okay. And where did the team come across spirit of Reverend Collier. Hmm. Pendle Hill, Castle Keep, Brannigan's Nightclub, or Sam Lesbury Hall? Gosh, I, I don't know, but there's a chance I can get it right, statistical probability, so I will take a random stab in the dark at Brannigan's Nightclub. And you hit it right on the button. You're oh. doing really well with this, my fan. Psychic, there you go. I'm picking you up on you, Richard. All right, we only got uh, a couple more left. Uh, which are these uh, 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 typical baseline tests for a most haunted investigation? EMF reading, temperature reading, atmospheric reading, or all of them? Right. Um, I might go for secret option number four and say they never did a valid baseline on the program. Well done. Oh. <laughs> the answer. The answer is all of them, according to. I, I bet it was. <laughs> but we'll talk about that in a bit. All yes, right. We, we only have a couple more left. Uh, at Arton Manor, David and Yvette both heard Monk singing Gregorian chants. Is that true or false? Hmm. Uh, I'll say true. You would be right. Richard, do oh. you know that? No, go on. I, I actually didn't quite hear what you said. What manner was it? Arton, A-R-R-E-T-O-N. Arison. Oh, Arison Manor, yeah. Um, it was all, Edward, to be honest, I didn't hear the question either, but I heard the possible answers, so I went with one of those. Well, you did good. Are you guys hearing me all right, or, is, is, or am I having a problem? No, we're all right. We're all right. Don't forget it's a long way. Okay. <laughs> all right, we're almost done. When did Carl and Yvette marry? They are not married. Six months after meeting each other, six weeks after meeting each other, or six years after meeting each other? Gosh. Uh, again, not too sure. Shall I say they're not married? Richard? Well, they definitely are. <laughs> yeah, they are definitely <laughs> married. Um, they, but I'll be honest with you. They, they, I would say it was very quickly afterwards. There's no after they met. There's no doubt about that. Um, but whether it's six weeks or six months, because there's really not that. You know, there's either that's a month and a half, or so there's only sort of like four and a half months in between it. So I'd say six months. Six months is right. They actually uh -huh. met. It. They actually met. It. But I should know these things, really, shouldn't I? BBC City Hospital. Hmm. Okay, right. last question. Last question, guys. Who joined the team at the Golden Police? Was it Gabby Roslin, Scott Mills, Girls Aloud, Paul O'Grady, the Golden Police? I'll make another stab in the dark. 
and Gabby Rosling. Richard? Scott Mills. You got it. Yeah, I was there. I was there. I was the guy standing at the back. I appreciate appreciate Dave taking the time to to play that game with me. No worries. How did I do? You did very well. You did very, very well. (laughs) Very, very well. Yeah. (laughs) So what's brought all this about tonight? This afternoon, sorry, or wherever we are. So I'm interested. So let's let's talk a little bit about Dave now, since we got him on the show. (laughs) That's a very good idea. (laughs) Nice to talk to you, Dave. You're a member of ASAP, aren't you? I am indeed. I need to know more. Uh, Tell us all about it. It's been going what thirty odd years. Uh, Yes, uh, thirty years this year, in fact. That's right. I thought so. Yeah. I should be a member, or perhaps it wouldn't have me. Wait, 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 wait. You know what? Sorry, Ron. Sorry. We don't. We don't. We don't know what ASAP is over here on the other side of the the country, uh, the other side of the pond. So before we get into it, tell us, tell us. What I'm, ASAP I'm sure. Is. I'm sure you do. In fact, I'm sure our uh, assistant gets more emails from America than the UK. Okay. Do you want to tell us what ASAP is? Okay, it's uh, ASAP is the uh, AWSAP, it's the Association for the Scientific Study of Anomalous Phenomena. Um, we started in 1981, so we've been going for 30 years this year. Um, we're based in the UK and we're a registered uh, education and research charity. Um, so our organisational status is actually as a charity, which means that we're dedicated to doing um, good for mankind, public good, and, and we achieve that aim through um, furthering... Oh, I hope that wasn't me. Um, we do that through furthering education and furthering research into the field of uh, anomalous phenomena. So our key roles really are um, education, uh, both of our membership and of mankind generally, and also uh, sponsoring research. Now, when you say anomalous phenomena, what, what do you exactly mean? Uh, anomalous phenomena, well, by anomalous phenomena, we really mean the, the full range of uh, anomalous experiences that humans have. So um, that covers everything potentially from uh, ghosts and hauntings to UFOs to um, uh, associations with uh, big cats and apparitions of black dogs and, and the full range of things, really. Um, the reason that we were founded, I mean, when we were founded back in 1981, there were equivalent uh, organisations and equivalent charities uh, in the UK that did look into this type of anomalous phenomena. So uh, the unique selling point when we first started back 30 years ago was that rather than taking a silo approach to anomalous phenomena, rather than saying these people are going to um, just look at ghosts or this organisation is just going to look at UFOs, the idea was actually to look at anomalous phenomena as a whole, thinking these actually aren't necessarily separate phenomena, but the processes that go on in people's minds when they experience these things are actually fairly similar to one another. So actually we can get a little bit more from this if we're a rounded organisation and we can see the associations between the different things. So that was kind of our, our unique point there. Okay, and how did you get involved in it? Um, I got involved, I suppose, around seven years ago now, um, and I attended a, a training 
uh, session with the association uh, over in Wales and I was a, um, a paranormal investigator of my own group at that time and I saw the training was happening to try and increase the skill set and trying to increase the knowledge and the, the scientific knowledge particularly of investigators in the area so I went along very much like the way that the ASAP taught its course and uh, really got involved from there. Who started it Dave? Uh, and a number of people started it. Um, right. so, so the founder members, um, ASAP was actually a, a split off from another organisation, uh, another charity, um, wanting to do things slightly differently. Um, so a number of um, the, the council, the ruling council members of that charity uh, were founding members. Uh, amongst the founding members were um, Bob Ricard, uh, who founded the 14 Times, which I'm not sure if that's a, a big over in the States, but it's the biggest... Um, sort of spooky magazine if you like over in the UK um, also founding it was Hilary Evans who's quite a well known uh, UFO researcher who, who sadly passed away recently um, Jenny Randalls who's also quite a well known UFO researcher a um, number of other people Hugh Pinkott Morris Townsend and also uh, Vernon Harrison uh, who was once uh, president of the Royal Photographic Society wow gotcha and how yeah, many so. members roughly do, do you have um, it's increasing all the time at the moment because we're, we've got uh, a large event going on, but we're, we're sort of in the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of members, not quite into the thousands yet, though. And is it worldwide or, or mainly, mainly sort of, you know, in, in, in the UK? It's, it's mainly in the UK. I mean, being a, a registered charity in the UK, most of our benefit is um, directed towards UK residents, but we do have an international membership um, from the States, from Asia, from all over the world, really. Gotcha. Uh, do you have anything like that over there, Ron? No, not a... Well, I don't know. I mean, there's so much stuff. I mean, to be honest, you, yeah. you know, ever since Most Haunted came out, ever since Ghost Hunters came out, there are so many paranormal you know, interest in the paranormal and cryptozoology and UFOs and, you know, and, you know throw that in, in as well. I mean, there, there are tons and tons of organizations. It's, it's really hard to keep up with them all the time. Yeah. Uh, that is true. I mean, uh, some people have looked into the to the mushrooming of, of paranormal groups, and I can only speak for the for the UK. I don't really know about the US, but um, uh, the estimates say ten years ago, or a little over ten years ago, was that the number of paranormal groups were you know, a hundred, maybe two hundred, somewhere along those lines. And then the estimates for two years ago were more like two thousand, two and a half thousand, some some putting even more than that. So it really has mushroomed in recent years. Quite amazing. Um, it, it, it's still quite, for me, it's, I still find it quite amazing that, that, that all these groups are going around. I mean, you know, I think it's great. I think it's wonderful that they're out there. Um, I, I know that a lot of them, and I'm sure you'll agree with me here, that you know, a lot of them are obviously going around playing at TV shows um, yeah. and, and doing what they've seen on TV, and that, that's inevitable. It's bound to happen when you've got TV shows that were as popular. Um, yeah. But, you know, there doesn't seem to be... You know, I, mean, I think it's wonderful what you're doing, because you are obviously trying to sort of... trying to educate uh, people into the, the realities behind ghost hunting. Um, yeah. Are you in any way, you know, I mean, there should be some form of government regulation, I think, into it. But, you know, yeah. is that something that you might, might be thinking of doing, or...? I mean, I was actually going to pick up on exactly the same point that, that you were talking about there, Richard, um, which is the fact that this is an unregulated field. 
Um, so the government doesn't recognise paranormal investigations or anomaly investigations or, or anything of that nature, which means that when people come to this field, they've kind of they've got a free choice. It says, where should I? look for information on this field where should I draw inspiration who should I model myself on when I'm going out into the field um, there's little doubt that 95% probably I hate using statistics that randomly plucked out the air but probably 95% of groups out there look at what happens on the television and say oh you know we'll, we'll have a go at that usually groups last much more than a year or 18 months that kind of thing but that's very much their basis and actually when you hear a lot of groups out there saying oh most haunted all this sort of stuff uh you know we, we used to like them but we hate them now and we don't do what they do but if you actually look at their methodology they still do almost exactly what the television programs do they disagree with a few key points but the underlying methods and the underlying assumptions are almost exactly the same um which is kind of sad i mean all different influences have their place when it comes to these things but very few people think I'm going to get into something like this, you know, let's read a book, let's go on a training course. And, and precious few people actually view it that way. So actually, I think I agree with you there, Richard, that there needs to be some official recognition for paranormal mm. investigations. And I think that be... the, the big problem we have is is the danger. Um, yeah. the, the people don't, you see, the, the biggest problem we have is, is the fact that uh, no, as you said, no, there's no uh, government sort of interest, if you like, in, in paranormal investigation. There's no scientific interest, really. In, a, a, there's no funding for it. And B, while we're all running around playing Scooby-Doo, nobody's yeah. going to take it seriously. And, exactly. and so the, the, there is no sort of regulation, and there won't be. So it means, as you said, it, the doors are open. You, people can go out there, do as they want. Um, charge what they want, you know. And, and the problem you've got is that there are people that are are in in in, in a situation in their home where they are genuinely concerned about about what's in their home because they've seen on the TV that it's got to be scary. You know, it's going to be something frightening. And these people can just come in willy nilly, spend the night in their home with their children in the bedroom, bring the beers with them as well, and there's absolutely nothing to stop it. And, and I find it quite disconcerting, and I'm sure yeah. you, you do yourselves, don't you? Yeah, I, I find it quite abhorrent, um, personally, to be honest with you. Um, and, and as you say, because there's no government recognition of paranormal investigation, people are completely free to do what they like. And we kind of, uh, we call it sort of um, democracy of action, democracy of thought, but not in a positive way. It sort of says that because there's no recognition in the field or of the field, it means that any one person's um, ideas of how to do these things are as completely as valid as anyone else's. So you could have been researching, uh, publishing articles in academic journals and so forth for, for donkey's years, but your ideas are no more valid than someone who has just watched a, a television programme, got an EMF meter for £20 on eBay and gone to their local pub and decided to do a ghost hunt. And the, the ethical minefield it's absolutely huge um, and as I said we do a lot of outreach um, so we don't kind of sit in an ivory tower or, or we're not kind of standoffish and just think we'll wait for people to come to us we kind of get out there into the community going to events going to conferences talking to people absolutely all the time and, and the horror stories that we hear from members of the public 
uh, about paranormal investigators um, and indeed some of the horror stories that you see uh, on, on television as well um, you have people who think there might be some kind of um, fairly benevolent presence in their home they're slightly interested they get paranormal investigators in and as soon as demon. the investigators leave, they think there's demons, they think there's EVP voices in their kitchen, they think there's orbs chasing their children in their children's bedrooms, and they're absolutely petrified, terrified, just, just to be in their own homes. Um, and, and these are just, just people who are going in uh, who, who may feel they're treating it seriously or feel they're not treating it seriously, and, and they're terrifying people. They're working with vulnerable people without any kind of knowledge, without any kind of training. And they're scaring the life out of them. And, and that just makes me really sick to my stomach. And I've heard it so many times. And it does happen. And I presume, Ron, it happens in the States oh, in the does. same way as it happens to us over it here, does. yeah? I, 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 don't, I don't know how really we should address this. This is the problem. I mean, when you think you've got the leading uh, paranormal team, probably the most well-known is the ghost hunters, and, and, and their only background is plumbing, I mean... It's difficult, but don't get me wrong. I mean, they have years and years of experience as well. But then you have the uh, what I'm basically trying to say that there's that type of group that where people are just from ordinary lives are doing yeah. paranormal investigating, and then you have the academics that are, that although yeah. not too many of them are really doing it. So I don't no. know how we balance this out. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I think I think the key for me, and, and this isn't just a, a maxim within uh, the paranormal field, um, but actually in a lot of the uh, 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 the sector in the UK, um, which is the idea of being voluntary but not amateur. Um, so even your academics who go on field trips, um, they might be parapsychologists in, in real life, if you like, um, but they're they're kind of ghost hunting is something they do at the weekend in the same way that if you're a plumber, um, that happens at the weekend. Um, but the idea that if if you're doing something in your spare time that you have to be amateur and have to act in an amateur way um, it's not something that sits right with me if you're doing something which um, deals with people and deals with vulnerable people you have to conduct yourself in a, in a professional way I mean one example in the UK um, would be something like Citizens Advice for example um, which is an incredibly serious national organisation that advises people on the most serious and vulnerable problems and 90% of the people who work there are volunteers um, but they're professional volunteers and they're trained to such an extent that they can actually deal with the problems that affect people's lives and, and they're and their advice to them affects people's lives and the options they give them, um, but they do it in a professional way. So I kind of take that over into the paranormal field as well to say, yes, technically paranormal investigators may be amateurs, um, but that doesn't mean they can't be professional as well. So it's kind of breaking down this barrier of saying that something that you do on the weekend isn't always automatically a hobby. You can approach it with professionalism too. Oh, that's true. Very true. Um, I mean, the, the big difference is, it, while these paranormal investigators, and that includes me, because, you know, I, I, this is my profession, you know, and I, I do events uh, at weekends and that sort of stuff, but while you're doing a commercial property, be it a pub, a haunted stately home castle, we're not too bad. It's when people get into private homes that I think we have the problem. So yeah, on that side, we actually have to take a break, and, and we'll think about that. We'll be right back. Uh, you are listening to Chronicles International, where Richard Phillips and Ron Kohler go on Pararex, Tokenet, Ghost Channel and Beyond. We'll be right back after the following messages. Welcome to Tokenet. 
Radio with a cutting edge. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange, deranged. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give awards to the Parrax family. Take 6,427. All right. Hi, I'm Ron Kolick, author and lead investigator of the New England Ghost Project, New England's own Van Helsink. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night. At 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so yeah, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, I'll have to get a new (laughs) co-host. I am brave beyond belief. Yeah, we'll see. scares me. So anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Dan and Ron. See you then. And we are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Richard Felix and Ron Kolick on Pararex, Net, Ghost Channel, and beyond. And our very special guest is Dave Wood. Dave, you have just such an easy name. It's, I'm not used to that. <laughs> Absolutely. It's helpful in many ways. Um, it helps Ron a lot, I'll tell you that. <laughs> what, uh, what Richard was, was saying before the break um, is, is quite so crucial. I mean, there are there are degrees of these things. Um, oh, I, I think I think I'm back. I, I went for a moment then. Okay. Near me, yeah. okay. Okay. Great. <laughs> yeah, um, we like yeah, that. The, the, I think there are degrees of these things. Uh, if you if you're in someone's private home and they're distressed, uh, that's that's the most vulnerable situation or where the most damage can be done. And you sort of say that with with commercial properties we can be a little bit easier. And to an extent, yes, you can be a little bit easier. But certainly, quite a lot of commercial properties I've come across uh, personally as an investigator, um, they are commercial properties. But sometimes they've got vulnerable people who own them as well who treat their yeah their pub or their restaurant as as their house it's, it's where they live they live above it and, and actually they're vulnerable to it as well but even in a museum for example which uh, charge £30 a head for someone to go and investigate and that's what groups do that, that's the environment where you cause least harm but even then doing what you're doing sort of spreads not what you're doing but what people do spreads yep. misinformation um, generally uh, across across the country and, and that permeates through the media and through websites to other things and a more subtle form of damage is still being done there by using sort of nonsense methods and nonsense equipment and, and all that sort of thing Couldn't agree more We're definitely singing from the same hymn sheet here <laughs> Absolutely yeah. So I mean maybe that's a UK thing because we seem to be more 
I, I don't know if we're less serious, but we seem to look at things a lot differently than the UK. You use an awful lot more um, science, sorry, scientific equipment than, than, than we tend to do, I, I, I think. Um, you, you're very much more into the electronic side of, of, of ghost hunting than we are. I, I would agree with that, but I'd probably qualify it. <clears throat> sorry, uh, for yep. your answer there, Ron. Um, to say you use more equipment, probably not scientific equipment, just, just equipment. No. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, is it something that you do, Dave? I mean, sort of, you know, you see, well, I think probably before I came over to this, I don't think Ron had ever done any table, table tilting or glass, glass divination. Oh, you haven't had you, Ron, before, beforehand, I don't think. No, no. Things like, do you tend to use that sort of stuff with ASAP or, or are, are you, because no. obviously part of your title is scientific. Um, and there's, very little scientific in putting your fingers on a glass yeah. and asking it to move. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When we're talking about field work, um, we're talking about no dowsing, no table tipping, no mediums, no Ouija boards, no EMF meters, no standard thermometers, nothing of that nature. Because <laughs> um, none of well, it that's is both sides of the spec. That's all, all of it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that, Tell me the more. Whole method, and you can see probably how where I'm coming from a point of frustration. The whole yes. thing, to, to to my mind, is is nonsensical. Having said that, we're not just an investigation society. We do have affiliate groups all around the country who, who investigate and do field investigations, and we yeah. train people how to do that. But we're also a research society and we sponsor research, and our members conduct research for our journal. Um, so we have conducted research, for example, into Ouija boards, into table sitting into into dowsing and all these different things not using them the key difference is you can't use an unknown to prove an unknown so you can't use a medium or an emf meter to go and prove ghosts because using an unknown to prove an unknown but you can set up independent experimental research into how ouija boards work how emf meters work how any of these things work and you can test them to see if they're valid not taking them into people's homes, not using them investigations, but testing them in an independent setting to see if they're actually valid. So we do look at all these things, obviously, because we look at everything or as much as we can, um, but we don't use them as uh, uh, as methods in the field. Ghost, ghost, ghost mm. detectors. Mm. <laughs> if such things do exist. I mean, EMF meters are the particular... I think they do. Yes, EMF meters being a particular bugbear, because that, that's one mm. of the things that... A lot of people have got rid of some of the, the nonsense methods, but there's so many EMF meters still out there in the field, and, and they really mean nothing. Um, so it's a particular bugbear of mine. Well, I, yeah, I mean, that, it, that's the hard thing. I mean, basically, you know, just talking with you now, you're telling every group that's out in the U.S., I would say, and probably a good portion of them in the U.K., that they're doing yeah. it all wrong, and... Yeah, sorry I, about that. Yeah, it, it's so... <laughs> oh, no, no, I mean, it's... <laughs> I, it, it, I don't know, it, it, it's a high concept. It's like, why why would you even bother looking at other groups, like paranormal groups and stuff like that? I mean, if if everything you believe they're doing is, is useless, uh, then why would you even comment on it, basically? I suppose it's about education. And, and what it's about more than anything else is um, the people who are distressed on the ground who 
someone's coming into their house with the EMF meter and saying the EMF meter is behaving in a certain way, and that means there could be a ghost in your house. So it's less about what the people are doing, it's more about the impact that it has on the people on the ground. So um, in terms of commenting on it, that's more about education, really. Um, so we've got a very voluminous website and, and all the information is on there if, if people read it. But a lot of it is about trying to reach out to people and, and not doing that in, a, in any kind of condescending or patronising way, but just trying to engage with people and getting them to try to challenge those assumptions. Because if you see everyone else using an F meter and if you see the guys on the telly, using an EMF meter um, that's a form of authority in itself so you're going to copy what other people do and it's just an unchallenged assumption whereas our viewpoint is very much um, challenge everything challenge all the assumptions only use the methods that you know work and that you, that you can prove can work and do things in a scientific way and you, you might think that we're kind of battling against everything that everyone else is doing but um we have people coming to our training weekends uh, every year or several times a year who come in using these methods, using EMF meters and using Ouija boards and, and everything else. And we, we accept them and we don't judge them for what they do. Um, but when they walk away, nine times out of ten, they say to themselves, actually, these methods, they're not what I thought they were. They're uh, assumption-led methods and actually I'd like to try something different. So it's more about education and, and that's really our role because we're an education charity. We have to get out there and educate people. Um, so that's really why we do what we do. So, so Dave, I would ask, uh, is, is there a textbook for ghost hunting? Do we have a real textbook for ghost hunting? We have there's we, lots of books to tell you how to do it, but is there mm -hmm. a real... Uh, scientific-based or, or academic-based textbook? There, there isn't really, at least not really a current one. I mean, I, I'll say that probably the best one that's been released in recent years um, is a book called The uh, Ghost Hunter's Survival Guide, um, which is written by a guy called John Fraser. <clears throat> and, that, and that's very good. Um, the last kind of seminal one um, was actually written in the 1990s, unfortunately. Um, so although it's on eBay and so forth, it's not in the forefront of people's minds. And that was written by or edited by um, Morris Townsend Valho um, called Paranormal Investigator's Handbook. And that really was spot on and, and, and did very well. Um, but that was some time ago. So I think, I think we are needing something else to, to replace that in the field at the moment. I mean, coming back to the asset website, not just to shamelessly plug it, um, but not many people read hundreds of pages on website and absorb it all. But a few people do, and we get people emailing through the website to say, I've read it all, or I've read all the relevant sections of the website, and, and wow, that's it. I'm ready to go, and I know what I'm doing, kind of thing. Um, but most people don't read by reading thousands of words on website. Most people read by learning in the field or learning in training sessions. So the information is out there, but it's not really codified into a, a format that's easy to pick up and say, yes, this is what I should be doing. And, and perhaps there is a weakness in the field at the moment. We need something like that. There is actually, Ronald, a very good DVD out at the moment <laughs> by, by Richard Felix and Steve Parsons called So You Want to Be a Ghost Hunter, <laughs> which covers a bit of it. Covers a bit of it. I've not viewed that DVD, but uh, I've been interested in viewing that. I was trying to keep yeah, it. Yeah, I'll send, I'll send you a copy. <laughs> I need to join, by the way. But uh, mm. I'll, I'll send you a copy through. Because Steve, Steve can you, do you know Steve? 
Uh, yes, yeah, he's, he's one of our uh, long-term members. Um, yeah, well, Steve and I did a DVD about four years ago, just doing mm. you know, the sort of stuff that we've talked about, you know, that mm. you know, the, the, the EMF meter is not a ghost hunter and uh, a ghost detector, and it's there for detecting uh, electromagnetic signals and badly earthed wires and, you know, that sort of stuff. But, uh, yeah, and that's out there, and it's available from felixfilms.net. <laughs> Right. Absolutely. Got that I've got a lot of respect for Steve and he's coming to speak at our events um, next month and he get, he's published in our journal and yeah, I've got a lot of respect for Steve. Yeah, he's a good guy, think, good guy. Thinking about event, it's a pretty strange event, right? Um, about the event, yes, yeah. Well, I mean, it's really a strange event, meaning, tell us what it's about. <laughs> uh, yes, seriously strange. Um, it's it's a conference called Seriously Strange. Um, it's being held next month uh, in around about four weeks' time, tenth uh, and eleventh of September, and it's being held at the University of Bath, uh, which is in southwest England. Um, and we're bringing together um, twenty of the top speakers um, of our age, really twenty of the best thinkers in various different fields, and a lot of it is covering. Um, ghosts and hauntings and ghost hunting and there's quite a lot of talks about that but there's also a few other things thrown in and um, there's some UFOs there's some apparitions of black dogs thrown in there's a bit of vampires and werewolves thrown in so there's plenty to sort of have a variety of interest although because ghosts and hauntings are one of the big things culturally at this moment there is quite a lot of that in there as well um, it's an event which we're subsidising um, quite heavily as a research charity. We um, go to other conferences and we think other conferences are great. Um, most other conferences are in the position where they need to break even, where they need to cover their costs, they need to um, cover their risks and everything else. So the, the cost of going to these conferences is kind of creeping up. You know, it's sort of 30, 40, 50 pounds, several, sometimes several hundred pounds to go to a conference and stay and that kind of thing. Um, but what we're actually saying with Seriously Strange is that if you join ASAP, which only costs £15 um, a year, um, or internationally £25 a year, um, you can come to the conference for free. You join, you get a free ticket. The whole event is free to you. Um, accommodation, absolutely dirt cheap on the university campus. And we're subsidising it heavily because it's an education event and because we want people to come to the event. We don't want to make it inaccessible or just to people that have got a lot of money to burn at, at this particularly difficult time with the recession and so forth. Um, we're making it cheap, we're subsidising it, and it's going to be a fantastic event to come along to. I'd better and join quickly. Be Sorry. I think you should, Richard. In fact, I, I, I myself might join this uh, group, even though I'll never go to that conference, because... But you never know. When you come over to see us, you might be able to come. There you go. Yeah. So, uh, how does one join ASSAP? Yeah, um, you go to the website, which, uh, if you're international, is awsap.org, um, or if you're in the UK, it's awss.ac. Dot UK, um, so we've got an academic web address there, and just hit on the join section. Uh, if you're in the UK, it's easy to join. You can do it all online. Um, if you're international, you have to go down a PayPal route um, because it doesn't quite work the same for international members as it does UK members. And you can do the whole thing online within about five minutes, and, and it's completely easy. Um, another couple of things that happen at the conference. Um, there's a load of live experiments. So that's quite well known for this in our outreach work and that kind of thing. We run uh, rooms full of different types of experiments, fun experiments that bring 
bring the field to life that people can take part in so it's always quite a fun event to go along to um, and the other thing about it is there is a big announcement which is taking place at the conference um, which I can't talk about at the moment because the announcement is actually taking place at the event itself um, but it's something which is going to change certainly in the UK it's something that's going to change um, paranormal investigations for good um, it's going to change it and change it permanently so a lot of people are coming to actually hear what this big announcement is going to be and it's going to be very interesting and actually people who are there get to input into how this change takes effect so the people that come are actually the people who are shaping this and it's is actually kind of a uh, a big opportunity just just to go along particularly to something so cheap and have your say and kind of have a say on the future of the field really i, I, think, it's, I think it's a great thing uh, that you're doing uh it's definitely uh an alternative to what's happening Across the world, I was going to say just the United States and the, and the UK, but no, I mean you know Australia, New Zealand. Uh, I, I get emails from people in Europe, uh, South Africa. Uh, you know, there's a, a lot of a lot of interest in the paranormal, so I, I think that's a, a great alternative to what's out there now. Thank you. So what? Yeah, are you going to be talking about a specific talk? But I know that, like, Cal uh, Cooper's going to be there, and I believe Karen O'Keefe is going to be there as well. Is, is, is Steve Parsons there? I'm not going to be I'm not sure of that. Yep, Steve Parsons is there, yep, absolutely. Yeah, so, I mean, you have all the, the you know, the real tough parapsychologists, as I like to call them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I won't be talking myself. I'll be sort of um, comparing the show, if you like. And, uh, and sort of introducing people and, and so forth. I will be talking though to to make the big announcement and talk about the impact that's going to have. So uh, that's probably enough for me for the weekend. Okay. So sounds good, Ron, doesn't it? Uh, it does. It's really, it's really intriguing. I, I I just think it's such a, a great concept. And it, you know, a, a lot of people just get so comfortable in what they do, and they some of them even think that's the only way of doing things. And yeah. uh, they only see, you know, they're kind of like a blinders on. So it, it's mm. great to, even if you don't believe in something, you know, if you think you're doing right, it, why not look at something else? It can only strengthen your own beliefs if, if you, they're that strong. That's right. Yeah. Yes, indeed. I think it's great. Really do. Yeah, Tell me something, Dave. So I, I ring you tomorrow and I say, right, I, I got a ghost in my house. Oh, sorry. I think yeah. there's a ghost in my house. There's something going on that I really really can't understand um yeah. we're hearing voices um footsteps on the landing um things we come downstairs and, and and things have been moved from one place to another um please can you help me yeah what I mean, happens um, next? What, what we do is we operate a national network of what we call um, asap approved investigators um, so people who come along to our training and, and complete assessments and, and submit reports and so forth um, become aai's asap approved investigators and, and they live all around the uk so when inquiries come through to us as they do on a, on a fairly frequent basis and yeah. um, the, we do a kind of an initial triage. You've got to be a little bit careful sometimes. Most, the vast, vast majority of people out there <clears throat> who report anomalous experiences are completely genuine and they're completely of sound mind. They're not making it up. They're not hoaxing. And, and that accounts for the vast majority of people um, who get in touch with us. There are a small number where mental health issues uh, or particular yeah. vulnerabilities might be at play or 
maybe a pub wanting to get in the local paper or television that kind of thing. So we organise a kind of a triage system that kind of makes sure that um, we're not sending investigators out to people who perhaps it's not appropriate to or they're not qualified to deal with in the case of, of mental health issues. Um, but once once that's passed, um, we allocate uh, an investigator to a particular case. We've got a fairly good national coverage um, for most places in the UK. Um, there's one of our investigators within a short drive uh, of wherever someone lives, um, and they go and they meet with um, the family. Typically, people that come to us we tend to be people in private homes um, rather than uh, sort of big uh, museums and, and that sort of oh, thing. Yeah. Um, so it, it wouldn't be these people wouldn't be bringing their own paranormal group into someone's home. From our perspective, that's just a big no-no. That operators, an individual, or more likely a pair of investigators, and go and talk to the family and try and work out what can be done to <clears throat> reassure them to get to the bottom of what's going on uh, and that sort of thing and rather than kind of bundling in with with all the nonsense equipment and methods and, and taking 12 people into someone's small house and that kind of a crate thing. of beer <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, we, we just go in uh, as a pair for safety and, and just talk to the people and kind of do almost like a bespoke action plan based on um, their individual concerns about how those can be alleviated, how we can try and find some of the explanations that might be at play, and really just try and do some good for that individual client. Right, and, and so, uh, okay, so I'm hearing, fo- I'm hearing footsteps on the landing. Um, you know, the, there's only me and the wife in the house. We were both in bed at the same time and we heard these, these footsteps. Um, we've seen the old, the old man standing downstairs in the kitchen um, where we recently we, we had a wall knocked out um, you know we've we had the place modernised, we've not been there that long and in fact the amazing thing is that none of these things started to happen until we until we started doing the renovation of the house um, what, am I, what am I to do? It's <laughs> all about S- is, he going to, is he evil? Season. Is he going to be stood at the bed at the bottom of the bottom of the bed at three o'clock, waving chains around, or? or <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- there are several issues at play there. I mean, um, uh, the, the idea of the, re- the renovation haunting is obviously quite a popular idea that William starts knock building around the ghosts that live in the building don't like what it yep. is you doing, and they come out and let you know. Um, I mean. That, that, that's a theory that doesn't really stand up um, to anything. I mean, what, what we do know about um, renovation hauntings, uh, as you might call them, is that because you're changing, structurally changing the building, it kicks in something that's called uh, the new house effect. I don't know if you're aware of the new house effect, but it, it's sort of been, been published in various places. It says that if you're in a novel environment, um, you're going to see things and hear things that you wouldn't expect to hear. And if you're primed to a paranormal explanation of those events, um, then that's the most likely interpretation you're going to give to them. So in your house, if you sit sit in your house, any house that you live in, and just listen, don't be distracted by the television or your phone or anything that's going on, and listen, you'll hear so many sounds and see various things that your brain just blocks out normally because your brain can't can't cope with all the information that's going inside of it it blocks out a large proportion of the stimulus that's coming into you um so if you actually sit in the house you'll notice all sorts of things and i've tried this um Mm. with the new house effect if you're in a novel environment and you're concentrating or if you're in your own house and it's been renovated things will have changed in the structure of the building you'll have new natural and normal noises going on um, things will be in different places and that kind of thing so actually 
some people will become hyper aware in that environment and, and notice all these noises that normally they'd be tuning out entirely and, and think that there's a ghost present. Um, I don't want to speak for all cases. And if someone called me, I wouldn't. I wouldn't speak to them on the phone and glibly say it's the new house effect. What are you talking about? Um, yeah. you, have to, you have to treat each case seriously on its own merits. Um, but thinking on a more a more general point of view, renovation hauntings, it seems to be down to that more often than not. Um, but for the individual person, really, you just have to uh, if they're you know happy with that and it's not going to do any harm. Um, individually or in a pair go and try and experience what it is that they're experiencing so they're saying there's footsteps at three o'clock in the afternoon on a, on a Saturday or, or something like that try and be in the right place at the right time and try and hear what they're hearing and sometimes just having a fresh pair of ears or a fresh pair of eyes on the subject might be able to uh, to help that person to see it from a slightly different perspective something else we do is get people to keep phenomenal diaries which I'm sure is a a very common practice across the field and that helps people to um, rationalise what's happening it helps them to see linkages and from a cognitive point of view it also helps to make them take control of the issue and they feel more empowered over the issue they're keeping a phenomenal diary um, but really yeah the bottom line is you try and help that individual rather than talking about <clears throat> highbrow theories that are published in various journals and so forth you just try and help that person uh, to see what's actually happening in that house without trying to make too many prior assumptions about it. Yeah, and of course the first thing to tell them is that the ghost isn't there to get them. Yeah, they're not there to yeah. scare you. Yeah, if, I mean, if, 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 so, if someone's vulnerable, um, you need to reassure them, um, and, that, and that's absolutely the way. Um, I was having a discussion the other day that said, um, from a professional point of view, if someone is is vulnerable and thinks something is out to get them, the first thing you need to do is provide reassurance um, mm. and help them as best as you can, um, and and try and get someone else to help them in the long term if it seems like it's a, a big vulnerability problem. But but nine times out of ten, just helping someone and reassuring them in the short term can actually help them solve the issue. Really. Yeah. Yeah. And so tell me, have you <laughs> have you uh, Have you ever seen a ghost? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I'll qualify that, as, as you probably imagine I would do. Um, and, and again, I'm not some sceptical debunker or cynic that says, you know, um, people that see ghosts are out of their mind or hoaxing or whatever else. People all the time, every single day, have experiences which they feel are genuine. Um, and, and they're not mad and they're not hoaxers and, and they feel they're actually seeing or feeling and experiencing ghosts um, I'm not saying that I believe that what they're experiencing are ghosts and certainly my experience of investigating them um, they're not um, but I myself have looking back on it probably misperceived things and seen figures, seen apparitions and that sort of thing that with hindsight and with a bit more knowledge um, I can probably explain a little bit more rationally sometimes but uh, yeah I'm not someone that, that, that's standing back and, and casting judgments uh, upon what people experience because I try to get myself out there in the field, I try to attend a paranormal investigation uh, at least once every single month with my group and stay in the field and keep myself open to things um, even though personally you know, I have my own way of doing these things. I think it's important to stay out there and look at these things. Yeah. Or look at these uh, things. Steve so. Parsons said to us last week he wouldn't have been doing because I think Rob said something. Like, yeah, so you don't believe in ghosts then? But I mean, Rob, he, he did say, you know, I wouldn't be doing this if I yeah. didn't think there was anything in it. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think people come from a variety of different motivations um, for these things. I think for most people, they feel that, that because there is something in it. Um, and that can mean a number of different things. Sadly, some people come to the field because they've had a bereavement or something, or sometimes because they've had a very profound or traumatic experience which brings them to the field um, but other people just have have the belief that there is something out there um, and, and me for myself I feel there is something out there which is not yet explained in fact, I think there is a, lot, one day. a lot of things out there not yet explained right yeah okay um, we've, we've actually run out of time guys you're not going to believe that's it that's a shame that went by pretty quick uh, we are talk, talking with uh, Dave Wood and uh, the conference, I believe, is uh, uh, September 10th and 11th. If you become yeah. a ASSAP member, it's yeah. it's free, I guess, right? Yeah, that's right. And so, I mean, that's a great deal. And uh, we want to thank you so much for coming on the show and, you know, give us a, a little bit different point of view than we normally hear here. Yeah. Thank you very much. David, thank you very, very refreshing. Thanks. Right. If you if you want to uh, invite one of us back on after the big announcement, I think there'll be a lot to talk about there. Oh, that yeah. could probably happen. You, uh, we can talk to Nori. Nori is, is now a production manager of the show, so I say have very little say in it, evidently. <laughs> 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 but any, anyways, uh, Richard, before you before you go, and, and I, uh, David, thank you so much. Uh, we actually had a couple of questions, and the, the first one, Richard. Is uh, are you really going to become a member, or are you just? Oh wanting... yes, good God, yes! I mean, it's so ridiculous. I've been doing this all these years, and I'm actually not a member of, of anything, and it, it's long overdue. Uh, I shall be getting in touch with, hopefully, with Dave um, as soon as I can, probably tomorrow morning, and, and joining. Yeah, and going yeah. to the uh, going to that um, event. I Definitely hope so. And, and the other thing we do have from Andrew in the uh, chat room, and he, you were supposed to contact him, and uh, he's still waiting for his call. But I, yeah, I know you, Richard. You don't do computers very well, so I am. Oh, I'm useless, that. mate. I'm a very different. <laughs> so, the, Andrew, I will get in touch with you. Trust me, one day. That's nothing. Uh, nothing intentional there. It's just Richard. Just me. Just Richard <laughs> being Richard, right? Yeah, that's right. Richard's being Richard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll never change. If I changed, that wouldn't be me, would I? God help me. So anyways, it's time to wrap it up. And uh, our very special guest. It's a great show, Dave, Ron. Very good. Dave Most Wood, enjoyable. And, and I thank you so much for being on. Uh, Richard, any quick plugs before you want to go? Any quick plugs? Yeah, I've got a, a, a Derby Jail sleepover on the 26th of August, and I'm actually uh, I'm actually doing it myself. Ooh, I'd love to I don't do many of them now, because poor old git can't stay up, but 9 o'clock till 4 o'clock. If anybody wants to come on it, derbyjail.com. There you go. And tonight I have my paranormal study group. We'll be looking at scrying, and then also we'll be analyzing the telephone call from the dead from the Lizzie Board note. So stay, stay tuned, and uh, next week... See ya. Good night. God bless. Good night, sweetie. Happy Thank holiday. you very much. Cheers, guys. Holies to ghosties. Long-legged beasties. And things that go bumpy. And things that go bumpy.